Hello, everybody. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I'm glad you're here with me. Another Wednesday live stream. I'm Dan, your friendly fishmonger from dansfish.com. We do this every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Mountain Time, and I am glad to have you all along for the ride. So, welcome, everybody. Um, okay, I've got some cool stuff to talk to you about. Here's here's the docket. Let me kind of go over the, the list with you. So, um, I'm going to answer a question I got from an email about quarantine tanks and how to properly uh, maintain a quarantine tank when it's not in use, or do you need to do that at all? So we'll talk a little bit about that, Um, give you my weekly shipping report. I have some really exciting news about some new shipping rates that I've been able to negotiate, so uh, I'll tell you all about that. And have some new fish that I just listed, the wild bettas, uh, wild, uh, well, they're hobbyist bred, they're F1, but uh, betta dimidiata are now listed for sale. I'll talk to you about them a little bit. And um, the giveaway tonight is Pseudomugil luminatus, uh, CF Pasci. They're a beautiful little, little blue eye rainbow fish. Um, and we'll get into all that in just a moment. All right, I'd like to start off by thanking my mods for being here. I really appreciate you guys. Thanks so much. Oh, and for one of my mods, mods for Lumpy Dog, I will just go like this so that then I have the troll, whoops, that way, the troll uh, head coming coming off. Uh, it's backwards on camera. I can never get it right. All right, so let's get into it. Um, let's start, I think, with the giveaway. So the giveaway tonight... Luminatus means, you know, has to do with light and brightness and things. So to enter to win, if you want to win some little blue eyes, some Luminatus, then um, all you have to do is type in the chat, hashtag so shiny, and um, you'll be entered to win. And I think I spelled shiny, right? Yeah, two ends would be shiny, right? So S-H-I-N-Y. So shiny, if you type that in the comments, then... You'll automatically be entered to win. If the later on in the live stream, we'll just do a, a rando drawing with Nightbot, and whoever is picked will be the winner. And I will ship them uh, some of those little pseudomugils for free on Monday. You don't have to pay shipping. You don't have to do anything. You just have to type in that hashtag so I know you want them, and then email me to confirm and let me know your name and your address if you win so I know where to send them. So, so shiny is the hashtag to enter for tonight. So let's talk about that fish to start. Pseudomugil luminatus. Until a little while ago, they're these guys. Until fairly recently, these were very hard to get. They're still not the easiest fish to get. You could get fricata, you could get uh, Gertrude, but these little guys were very difficult to find. There are some folks breeding them in large numbers now, so they're more available, but they're they're still not as prevalent as Gertrude and Fricatas and, and some of the others. Now, they're a true nano fish, and, and they are gorgeous, by the way. They, they really do look like, like this, easily look this good a lot of the time. Um, these ones, I'm not... I don't, yeah, in the right light, you might get that much red coming through. But as you can see, they're a stunning little fish. I, I love them. I think they're absolutely fantastic. And I know I say that. 
about every single fish that I talk about because it's true. Um, but these guys are little nano fish. They get maybe an inch, maybe, I don't know, maybe an inch and a quarter, a really old big one would get maybe an inch and a quarter. And they're, once they're acclimated, once they get over the first week or so of import, they're pretty rock solid. Once they're acclimated, they're pretty rock solid. This batch is amazing. I think I got in 250 of them. I maybe lost one or two early on, maybe from stress of shipment, um, but but none for a long time. And I think part of that is because of the the uh, medicated food regime I'm using. I think that's working well for that species. Ty Hunsicker throwing down $10. Oh, shiny thing. So shiny. Yeah. Yeah. It also harkens to my head, right? <laughs> but Ty, thank you so much for the $10. I really appreciate it. Never required, but always appreciated. And it does make the wife super happy. Um, so thanks again, Ty. Um, anyway, these little guys are doing great. I've shipped out several of them. They're pretty popular, so several boxes of them over the last, what is it, two weeks or so. And I'm happy to report that as far as I know, there have been no losses. So this batch seems to be hardy, seems to be shipping really well. Now, because they're small, the only real caveat for keeping them, I think, is don't keep them with anything too big. Uh, there's a lot of fish that could slurp these up and have an enjoyable little snack. So just be aware of that. They really thrive in groups. I say this about a lot of fish, but you'll notice a massive different difference in this fish. If you get a big group of them, you'll see a lot more out and about type behavior, a lot of confidence, a lot of displaying. Um, if you have only a few of them, that's fine. They aren't a tightly schooling fish or anything, but they're often a little more timid. So if you're going to do these, I would recommend the biggest group possible. Um, and if you have a large tank, a whole bunch of these in a large tank is a pretty stunning sight. So again, that's my preference. It's not something that you absolutely have to do. Feeding them is super easy. They're not picky. They're eating flakes and pellets and frozen and live food and rapashi and algae wafers and all kinds of stuff. So not a picky fish at all. A few times a week, I make a point of squirting a bunch of baby brine shrimp in the aquarium because they love that. And it just is a, it's a good way to get fish to gain weight quickly. Um, you know, when they come in from import, often they haven't eaten in a while. And so for little fish like this, I like to do that just to bulk them up. And these are bulked up. These are not emaciated. They're, they're nice, hearty looking, um, sturdy looking fish at this point. They're very easy to spawn as well. They, they eat a lot of their eggs. If you don't uh, have the right kind of spawning material, they're notorious egg eaters. But if you have a fairly thick spawning mop, and thick is important because then they can get in far enough and lay their eggs that they're not likely to go in and eat them. Um, if you have a thick enough spawning mop, you can get lots and lots of eggs from these guys. They're the same as the other pseudomogils or the um, non-annual killifish to incubate. You can pick off the eggs, put them in a solution of water. Um, they'll hatch for you and they're tiny. These are really small when they hatch. And so you feed them little tiny rotifers or infusoria or green water, or they will eat um, a little powdered food that you put on the top as well. 
They're not super difficult to feed, even if you don't have live foods. So, oh, really peaceful. If anyone's wondering about attitude, they're extremely peaceful. And once they settle in and learn the aquarium and the feeding regime and things, they're pretty quick to the food. So you can keep them with most other small peaceful fish, even pretty active fish. Um, in my experience, they haven't been big jumpers. I had a question about that this week, if they jump. I've never seen one try to jump. Um, they're not like a wild type betta or a killifish where it's like, yeah, it's going to jump for sure. I always keep tight fitting lids on all my tanks to keep the fish in the tanks and to keep the humidity out of the air. I, I like a nice, you know, comfortable place to, to work in. So it keeps evaporation down, controls temperature and keeps fish in the tanks. So because of that, sometimes when people ask me, does a fish jump? I just don't know because they don't jump in my tanks because they all have a tight fitting lid like always unless unless i occasionally forget to replace the lid after feeding or or water maintenance or something which every now and then i'll forget but besides that they always have a lid on so often i can't speak to that um these fish i've observed a lot though and when i put the net in or do maintenance or stuff something they don't tend to swim up and want to jump they swim over and under plants away and under some plants is what they do some floating plants they do tend to stay in the upper i would say half of the water column this batch will go down and eat off the bottom if i put an algae wafer in or something they'll go down and eat uh, that but then they'll go right back up so they kind of prefer to eat off the surface of the water or food that's kind of in that upper area of the water column so they don't out compete uh, bottom dwellers very much they tend to stay at the top so that's my uh my brief spiel on pseudomugil luminatus Amazing little blue eye, really pretty. And if you want to win some, hashtag so shiny in the chat and you'll be entered into the giveaway. It's totally free, by the way. You don't have to pay for shipping or anything. I think I mentioned that earlier, but for anyone just joining us, uh, there's no obligation to, nothing required on your part except for acceptance of the giveaway. Um, just letting me know you want it, what your name is and where to send it. Okay, so that's item number Let's check off our, our list here. We're actually prepared today. Imagine that. Um, now, since we're talking about cool fish, let me show you one that I recently was able to post on Get Gills. Um, and um, these are hobbyist bred fish. These are not wild. These are F1 from wild parents. Hobbyist bred right here in the United States. This is Beta dimidiata. Peaceful, wild type betta. Here's a female. Just a close up of his grumpy face. Here's a male. Another female. In a somewhat decent picture of the male. This one, this picture kind of shows the extensions on the um, anal fin and the dorsal fin. What it doesn't show very well is the long extensions on the caudal fin, which is what makes this species unique. I, you kind of see it back here. I couldn't get a good picture of that. But for those that have been wanting wild type bettas, um, there are eight pairs listed on Get Gills. They're only $24 a pair, which is a pretty darn good price, especially for hobbyists bred and raised. They range in size from barely sexable at about, I don't know, maybe an inch, inch and a quarter on up to, um, to clearly sexable adults at just under two inches. This is a species that doesn't get very big. 
um, a little over two inches. Body size is about the max. With the tail, they're bigger because it's a long extended tail, but it's not a large wild type beta by any means. So you can keep them in fairly uh, modest sized aquariums. But those are for sale for those that have been waiting. And I do have an unboxing video of that fish that I need to do. I just have not been able to get it uh, thrown together yet. I'm actually the unboxing part is done, but I wanted to do a follow-up and I went out the other day to, uh, to show them once they're all settled and stuff, what they look like. But I, I screwed up the settings on my camera and it's a complex camera for a non <laughs> photographer guy like me. So I'm trying to figure out the settings again to make good video. It's coming out a little blurry on me. So uh, until I can figure that out, uh, yeah. <laughs> okay, so that was the Beta Dimidiata. Um, now let's do another thing about Get Gills, which I'm super excited about, which is shipping rates. So let me show you my shipping rates. So, okay. So how I've been shipping is UPS for the last several months. Um, last week, UPS delayed my packages, like all of them. And a few weeks before that, they did it. And so they owed me a big refund and they promised me a big refund. And I did not, they, as far as I'm concerned, they owe me several hundred dollars. Um, but it's been impossible to get the refund despite their promises. And so, um, and, and by the way, I guess I am kind of talking bad about them, but my intention is not necessarily to do that. It's just to explain that because of this, I had a, a reason to start looking around. And so I started to talk with the bulk company that deals with FedEx and I was able to negotiate a pretty darn good price. So if you look at what UPS was charging for a small box next day, it was $39.50. FedEx next day for a small box is only $29.50. That's $10 less. Medium box was $54.50 with UPS. A medium box with FedEx is only $34.50. That's $20 off. And a large box with UPS was $64.50. With FedEx, I've negotiated these a new rate, $39.50. So that is what roughly $30, $25 off. So basically what it turns out is I'm now able to ship next day with FedEx for about the same price as I was for two-day UPS. A tiny bit more for the next day. The same, I'm sorry, the same for small. Yeah. So two day with UPS was $29.50. Next day with FedEx is $29.50. Uh, medium box, I'm sorry, it was 25. So it's a little bit more 29 to 34. So it is a little bit more than two day, but it's substantially less than next day with UPS. So I've, I've changed my shipping options on get gills. I'm now shipping all next day FedEx. Um, I realize that priority mail is a lot cheaper, but fish, when I send them priority can often, very often, especially right now with the shape the USPS is in with this, uh, pandemic we're facing, um, be delayed a lot. So 
even with no pandemic, it would sometimes be, sometimes they'd get there in two days. That would be great. But often it would be three days, sometimes four or five days. And, and this happened pretty much weekly where there was a percentage of the boxes that were delayed quite a bit. And so I'm going to go ahead and stick with FedEx next day because at that rate, that's a very reasonable rate for that service. And I realize that'll price some people out. And I apologize for that. That's not my intention. However, it's so much less stressful for the fish if they only have to be in the mail one night. I drop them off in the evening on Monday. They get to you Tuesday, usually late morning or early mid-afternoon. So that's just so much better for the fish than being in a box for several nights, right? Or, or a couple nights. It's kind of like every hour you can take off their transit time is uh, increases the gradient for success and for long-term health when they arrive to you, the customer, substantially. So, so that's what I'm going to do. Um, so I apologize to anyone who is like, ooh, that's too much for shipping. I, I wouldn't do that. I realize there's people that ship priority and you can go there. I, I get that. And, I, you know, I might, maybe I'll start shipping priority again once the post office gets back, back to normal after this crisis passes and all that. But in the meantime, I just think this is better for the fish. I realize it might not be better for every customer, um, but in a way it is because you'll end up getting healthier, hardier fish if you get them this way. But I, I realize it's more expensive and that it might price some people out. And again, that's not my intention, but I'm trying to do what's best for the fish and what's best for long-term success uh, with the fish. So yeah, Mega Mindy Lou, only thing with FedEx is their track is tracking, their tracking isn't as user-friendly. Um, well, let's, oh, I can't. I was gonna say, let's take a look at some tracking um, because, uh, but I can't because then I'll reveal personal information about customers. Um, you might be right about that. I've only shipped with FedEx. It's been a long, it's been years since I've shipped with FedEx. So um, I don't know what they've done in the meantime. When we tracked this week, uh, I could see pretty clearly where they went. I could see every stop along the way. So they left Sheridan, they went to Memphis. From Memphis, I saw where they went, and then I saw when they got on the truck, all that stuff. So they seem to be fairly good tracking-wise. Um, you might not be able to actually follow the delivery truck like you can with UPS. I'm not sure about that. But but anyway, that's what I'm doing for now. I just think it's better for the fish. And it, at those rates, I'm going to try it. And after a couple of weeks of data, um, I'm kind of – I might be able to be like – so what I did is I took all the shipments from this week and I averaged the cost for small, medium, and large boxes. That's a small sample size. After I have a few more weeks, I might be able to do, run the average and be like, hey, actually I can lower that cost a bit. It probably won't be more than a dollar or two if I can. But um, as I ship more, I'll be able to get a better idea and try to bring it down more for you if at all possible. Moonstone, five bucks, putting the fish first. Yeah, it's... Um, I mean, my mission is to, uh, you know, change the industry. Um, now, other people ship next day with UPS and FedEx. That part isn't necessarily uh, revolutionary. But anything I can do to make it so the fish get there in better shape, um, I'm going to do. And 
anything I can do to make sure that the customer has success. So yeah, it's for the fish, but it's also for the customer. Um, I'm trying to change that narrative of people buying fish and, oh, they died. I bought fish and they died. Or people, when they buy fish online, not having any expectation of whether they'll arrive alive or dead or whatever, right? Because it's such a crap shoot. I'm trying to change that. So I'm trying to put in procedures um, and methods that will ensure that people are like, oh yeah, I expect the fish to alive, be, arrive alive and I'm surprised if they al- arrive dead. Right now, if the fish arrive alive, it's like amazing. It's a score. It's a success, right? And that's a really low bar for an industry that's shipping fish online. The bar should be, oh, the fish arrived alive and they're healthy and they look hardy. And two weeks later, they're thriving. That, that should be the bar. So that's, that's what I'm trying to do. So yeah, it's for the fish, but it's also for the customer because it's my firm belief that if we can get customers, um, there's two major things. One is, especially with new fish keepers, but, but with anyone, we all make this mistake sometimes. There's two major things that kill fish, at least kills them quickly. One is the tank is not seasoned enough. It's not mature enough, right? The cycle is not established enough to handle the fish load. So we all know you get a new fish, a new fish tank, you put in a bunch of fish, a couple days later they're dead because uh, there was a bunch of ammonia that resulted from their defecation and there was no seasoned cycle to take care of that. So that's way number one. I can't do much about that besides education. But way number two is that the supply chain is so rough and there's so many unnecessary links in it and the fish arrive to the retailer in bad shape. They're stressed out, their immune systems are compromised, there's all kinds of problems. So the customer goes and buys them, takes them home, and a few days later, even if the tank is all cycled, if that customer is not knowledgeable about how to land stressed out fish and help them recover for a while, you know, get them healthy, um, which most your average person buying fish in a fish store or whatever isn't, then the fish is going to die due to complications that arise from the stress of the supply chain, right? So I can't necessarily do much about that first big issue, which is a poorly cycled immature tank, but I'm doing everything I can for that second issue to ensure customer long-term success. That's the goal. So I want to change the industry. I want to improve it. So the narrative is I got these fish. They're awesome. Instead of all my fish died, all my fish died. My fish are dying. Why is my fish dying? You know, that's not good for the hobby uh, at all. Long-term, it really hampers this industry's growth. Chattanooga Ed with five bucks down with Brown. (laughs) I'm not quite sure what that means. Um, the only thing I can think of is an old saying that we used to say in California because there was always a drought and we were trying to conserve water, which was, if it's yellow, let it mellow. If it's brown, flush it down. <laughs> but thanks, Ed, for the $5 super chat. I really appreciate you. Um, by the way, best troll goatee ever. Yep. Love it. Moonstone, another $5. Raising the bar, hashtag agility for fish keepers. Hey, Moonstone, thanks again. I, I really appreciate that you uh, that you appreciate the change we're trying to make. Yeah, that's nice to know. And thanks for the super chat. Always appreciated, never required, but it does make the wife super happy. 
She hates it when I say that. Um, okay. So that's the shipping prices, which for overnight are pretty good. And I'll do everything I can to take them down some. Um, let me explain something real quick. I, I, I was tempted to like only charge half the shipping or something like that. I know there's companies, um, shout out to Imperial Tropicals. I think they do a good job. I really like Mike. I like his style. Um, and I think their FedEx rate or their next day shipping rate is, is less than mine. I think it's like 15 or 20 bucks or something. Um, so I was like, maybe I should do that. But it didn't work. I crunched the numbers for my business model. I think the reason Imperial Tropicals gets away with it is they're selling um, generally, they, they specialize in African cichlids. And those fish are generally a lot more expensive than most of the fish I sell. And so since they're able to put more dollars worth of fish in each bag because they're selling fish that cost quite a bit, not always, but in general, then they can put enough fish in a box that they can afford to help cover some of the shipping, lose on the shipping, right? I calculated that and I'm like, man, I've got, I've got neon tetras, I've got uh, danios, I've got, you know, lots of different fish. Some of them are expensive. Some of the fish I sell are a lot, but a lot of them aren't. A lot of them are six bucks. A lot of them are 250. A lot of them are, you know, eight bucks, something like that. So I did the calculations. If I fill a box full of fish that don't cost a lot of money, and I eat some of the shipping in order to try save, to save my customers money, um, what ends up is my profit margins become unsustainable. It basically, there's not enough money in the box that I can cover that differential. So I did think about it. I'm, I'm constantly trying to think of ways uh, to make things better for the fish and better for the customer and affordable for everyone. But um, at this point, I just can't. I just can't do it. it. It will it will put me out of business eventually if I do it. Now, maybe as we grow and get more things in and get more things that cost more and are able to have um, a different kind of value per box that we send out, maybe I'll be able to do some of that. And I hope to do some of that. But I just want you to know I tried. I thought of you all. <laughs> it just didn't work out in the math. All right. Now, the, the last thing before I answer the question about quarantine tanks and get to your questions and comments is a shipping report. I'm happy to say that all the fish I sent this week, I sent them Monday. They all arrived on Tuesday because we did FedEx overnight for the first time in a long, long, long time. And they all arrived alive as far as I know. I did not get any report that there was any problems. Um, all the reports I got were, hey, everything's good. So I think... I think we're good. Now, I do want to talk about last week because last week wasn't quite so good. Um, last week, the shipments were delayed and there were a few losses. I think, I think there was one DOA and then I think it was three fish that passed away within a day or two. It might have been two DOAs and then three fish that passed away a day or two later. Um, and they were, they were the fish that were delayed is what happened. And even then, I, I do pack them to withstand delay, but 
it didn't happen in this case. It didn't work out. So um, I always want to be upfront and honest. Um, this week, 100%. Last week, there were some delays in shipping. And um, even though I pack with those anticipating those, um, there were some issues. But again, not much. We sent out many, many fish last week. I don't remember how many, but lots of fish last week. And I think there might have been four or five total when you combine those that didn't arrive alive and those that might have passed away within a day or two due to stress. So, All right, so that's the shipment report for this week and last week. Um, with that, let me, ask, let me uh, answer this question about quarantine tanks. And I think this is useful. I've heard versions of this question uh, several times. So I think it's something that, that lots of people are wondering, which is why I'm bringing it up now. So a customer, hang on, sorry, my jacket's falling off onto the floor. Um, a customer reached out and was talking to me about quarantine tanks. And, and I replied with, I, I misunderstood the question or what she was getting at. And I replied with, I'd recommend a quarantine tank. You know, if you don't, it's a time bomb. Um, maybe you'll get away with it for 10 years, but at some point you're going to have a problem. And she responded and said this. <laughs> I misunderstood. She said, no, I'm a firm believer in quarantine tanks. Just trying to figure out if I should always keep one up and running or set up when and as needed. I do have a spot for a 10 gallon. Also, if I still choose to keep one up and running, how do you make sure the beneficial, beneficial bacteria stay alive? Also, if you keep one up and running, do you necessarily have to have the heater on when no fish are present in the tank? Thank you for your response. Um, and I responded and said, Hey, that's a good question. Instead of doing a long e email reply, I'm going to answer it in the live stream tomorrow. She's like, okay, good. That'll work. So that's what I'm doing. So first off is the question, do you need to keep a quarantine tank set up and cycled at all times, even when you don't have fish, right? Let's say you only get new fish in, um, I don't know, six times a year, all the other time, does it need to be set up and running? Let me get into that first. It depends a little bit on what you mean by quarantine. So I tend to quarantine fish. Um, I'm changing some things now, but in general, I quarantine fish in tanks that are just freshly set up for all intents and purposes. They aren't bioactive. There's no cycle. There's no filter, nothing like that. And I do that because I prophylactically treat with antibiotics. And if I did that in an established tank that was always set up and always cycled and fully biologically active, um, the medications I use would kill that biological system and kill the cycle. And there would be a lot of ammonia that resulted from all the death of all that bio load from the antibiotics. So the way it depends, if if what you want to do is prophylactically medicate, especially with an antibiotic or copper, copper can be really hard on a biofilter. Um, I wouldn't recommend, by the way, being prophylactic with copper. It's pretty harsh stuff and um, harder to get out of the environment than other things. But anyway, um, if you're going to be doing that, then I would say you don't need to have the tank set up all the time by any means. Um, there's no reason to. You can set it up, do your week or so of antibiotic treatment, and um, then remove them if all is good at that point. You're just not feeding during that period. 
However, that's not what most people do. Uh, that's what I do because I'm, I'm an importer. So I import lots of fish and it's important for me when they're stressed a lot from freshly being imported to give them the best chance possible. So that's why I do things that way. However, I think a lot of people, um, especially if you're purchasing from somewhere that already has done quarantine or the fish had been there for a while um, and aren't freshly imported is what I'm trying to say, then I think you could do a bioactive tank because I think in most cases you need a quarantine of observation, not of medication, if that makes sense. So if you're getting new fish in, then what I would generally recommend, especially if they aren't freshly imported, is you put them in a tank and you just observe them for two weeks, maybe for a month, um, depends, but you just see if any issues develop before you put them in with your prize collection. Because if you don't, um, they could be carrying something that doesn't manifest until a few days or a week or two weeks, whatever, um, after they arrive. And then you put that in into your prize collection and everything in there now has an issue, right? It has a virus or it has a, a bacterial infection or a parasite, right? So that's the reason for quarantine of observation. And that works really well. If I was a hobbyist and I wasn't importing all the time, what I would probably do is I'd probably have a bioactive tank set up, fully cycled, ready to go all the time. And I would probably only medicate with something like uh, an ick medication when new fish arrive, because that doesn't hurt the cycle. And ick is such a prevalent problem with shipped fish. So that's probably how I would treat that. So I'm going to say, no, you don't always have to have one set up. Um, especially if you're going to medicate prophylactically. But if you're not going to do that and just observe, then, then yes, I would always have it set up. So the next part of your question. Also, if I choose to keep one up and run, running, how do you make sure the beneficial bacteria stay alive? You can do that lots of ways. You can do that by keeping a small population of fish in that tank all the time and only removing them when you get new fish into quarantine. You can do that with live food. Like if you get yourself um, a bunch of blackworms or a bunch of snails or, or anything that eats and poops, really, you just keep a colony of that going in that tank and then um, they will keep the cycle going just as much as, as fish and fish poop does, right? So that's, that's an easy way to keep the cycle going. If you want to have a bioactive quarantine tank, but you don't have fish to keep in it all the time. The benefit of that is that if you did that, then when the new fish came, you'd have this nice bunch of live food and you could put them in that tank. And um, you've also been culturing live food in the meantime that you can feed everybody, right? So that's the benefit of that. Now, the other way you could do it is just not have a tank set up at all. Run a couple extra filters in your other aquariums that are set up. And then when you need to have a quarantine tank, you just take this, I don't know, 10 gallons been sitting in your garage or whatever, um, set it up, let the water age for a couple days in, in, in bubble for a couple days to gas off and all that. Um, and then put in your, your filters that are extra in the other tanks. So you have basically filters ready to go at any time. The issue with that is that's a pretty good method, but it doesn't always work because an aquarium isn't just a filter. An aquarium is a full ecosystem. So that's not as stable as having 
a bioactive tank set up all the time. But it can be a way if you want a bioactive quarantine tank and don't want to have the tank set up when you're not using it for quarantine, it's the best way I can think of to, um, to make that possible. So hopefully that answers the question. Um, and yeah, that, that's my thoughts on it. Yeah, I think that was pretty thorough. All right. So with that, I'm through the docket. We're done the list. And I'm on your questions and comments. So I am in live chat. Check. And if you have a question or comment for me, if you would make it um, at Dan's Fish, then it'll highlight for me and I can see it. And I will probably not miss it. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, let me get a drink and we'll get right to that. Okay, scrolling up to see the first question or comment that's at Dan's Fish. The first thing I can see is Moonstone's $5 super chat that says putting fish first, the fish first. Thanks again, Moonstone. So if you left a question or comment before that, I can't see it. If you'd repost it, um, I'll get to it as time allows as we go down. Dragon Layer, can you show my tracking info? Oh, you can show my tracking info. Thank you. So let me bring that up. How do I do that? Um, hang on. Yeah, this, let's take a look at this just so you can see what to expect. That was Draco. Yeah, there you go. I remember your email. And let me make sure that I, I'm not showing anything too personal here. Okay, here's, and let's see, you know, sometimes, yeah. You know, it. thank you so much, uh, Dragon Layer. I appreciate that. However, there's an issue, which is now that it's delivered. Oh, wait, it does. It allows me to expand the history. Okay, so it does. This is what it shows you. This is when it was dropped off at Sheridan, 4.53 p.m. It left at 5.10 p.m. Went to Memphis, got there at 12.05 a.m., so midnight, it arrived in Memphis. It left Memphis at 3.47 a.m., got to Atlanta, Georgia at 5.46 a.m., got on the truck for delivery at 7.59 p.m., I'm sorry, a.m., and was delivered at 9.06, at 9.06 a.m. So that's pretty detailed. Um, Mega Mindy Lou, I, I, that's detailed enough for me that what UPS does do something different, which is they, um, they allow you to more or less actually see the progress of the delivery truck as it goes through. So, and by the way, um, I think the latest package that I'm aware of arrived at, what was it, 3 or 4 p.m. in the afternoon? If you're able, like if you aren't busy at work and can't get there or whatever, if you're able, you can call your local um, FedEx office, I suppose you would call it, and ask them to hold the package there for pickup. And then like that got on the truck at seven something in the morning. If it got on the truck at seven something in the morning and didn't get to your house till 3 p.m., right? That's that's a long time that it's not that it's just out and about for no reason. If 
it's convenient for you to go pick it up at the FedEx office. So if you can, it's always, I think, a good idea, especially in winter or when it's really hot in the summer, to call your local delivery office and say, hey, would you hold that for pickup? And then you can usually go in, you know, fairly early in the morning and pick it up so they don't sit on the truck for several hours um, if that can be avoided. So that's always nice. If we can do it, I realize, you know, some people are like, dude, I got a job. I get it. It's okay. (laughs) No judgment. But even then, if you can get to it after work, um, if you can get to it after you get off work and before they close, then that might be good. If no one's there to pick to accept the package when it's delivered at your home, because then at least it's been in a, a warehouse or an office that's more likely to be temperature controlled. So anyway, enough of that. But thank you, Dragon Layer, for allowing us to do that. Rockford Fishkeeping. I have had tracking with FedEx that it was the 19th of the month and it showed scans on the 19th, 20th, and 21st. Yeah. I've had stuff like that with every carrier where there's just a glitch in the system. And as a guy that uh, runs a website that runs getgills.com, I totally understand what it's like to be like, oops, didn't see that in the code. Like, I, I get it. There's there's little glitches and stuff that happen occasionally. <laughs> Down with the brown, Chattanooga Ed. <laughs> All right. Here we go. Rockford Fishkey Bean. Down with brown. Oh, UPS is brown. Oh, got it. Thanks. Thanks. Yeah. I'm real quick on the uptake tonight, aren't I? Duh. How did I miss that? Yeah. Thanks for clarifying. My my pea brain isn't calculating fast tonight. (laughs) Makes sense. Makes total sense. Dragon Lear, when you gave me the shipping info, there was a link on the FedEx page to get driver updates you could sign up for. Oh, okay. So you can get the driver updates. You can actually follow the delivery truck, it sounds like. Yeah, Mega Mindy Lou, maybe they didn't used to have good tracking, but it it seems like now they've upped their game. It seems like FedEx tracking is pretty good. The Chubby Guppy said a minimum purchase for shipping discount. Yeah, I've thought about that too. Um, okay, let me let me disclose my the real real straight talk here, the, the actual numbers. My profit margin is 40%. After all the expenses and things, um, that's before anyone gets paid or anything, by the way. Um, it's 40%. So I'm working on some affiliate programs to help spread the word, to help market Dan's Fish and let people know what we're trying to do. Because, I mean, my channel, what I've got a little under 9,000 subs, I'm not. I'm not a big channel. There are people that know about this and come and and we're getting the word out and things, but to reach a broader group, I need some help. And I've looked into, uh, I've done test marketing with Facebook and things. I've looked into marketing specialists and hiring marketing firms and things. And it it seems like the best way to do this is going to be probably affiliates. So I'm, I'm working on some stuff there. When I do that, 40% margin, Affiliates will get 10%. So now my margins are down to 30%, right? It's not a lot of wiggle room. Then let's say it's a $100 order. Um, And let's say that shipping would cost, 
if I discounted the shipping at $100, just for easy math, let's say that that would cost the company $15. Well, then you take 15% basically off. So now we've got 10% off for the affiliate, another 15% off. Now our margin is only 25%. So it really quickly, when you're in a, in a business like this, it really quickly gets to the point where your margin is sucked up by anything extra you do. Um, and, and that's the reason that right now, I'm not going to be able to do that. It, it would have to be something ridiculous, like buy $300 worth of fish and get, you know, a, a certain percentage off shipping. And, and at that point, it's like, that doesn't make sense. So, so that's why I'm not at 40%. There, there's a lot of businesses out there. You know, if you're in different types of businesses that your margins are many hundreds of times above your costs. Um, but in the fish business, live fish, due to uh, due to everything you have to be to success, be successful with the fish and make sure your customers are successful, the margins just are not that high. So I've I have thought of that the chubby guppy, and I've I've crunched all the numbers. I have lots. Of, I'm a spreadsheet guy, so anytime I have an idea, I don't just implement it. I put it into my formula put it into the spreadsheet and I see, okay, how will this actually affect the ability of the business to stay alive? <laughs> right. And there are certain things that like, Ooh, now we're down to 25% margin. That's uh, that's way too slim to be sustainable. If anything went wrong at any time, that would be a big problem. So it's just the type of business we're in now, again, as we grow, and get volume, then we'll be able to do some other things. Maybe we'll be able to do more SKUs that are more profitable or not more profitable, but they cost more so that when they go into the box, each box is worth more on average. And then we can maybe eat some of that cost uh, to help with shipping. But it's, there's stuff I would like to do. And then I do the math and it tells me if I can or not, basically. And I, I just have to go with what the math says. Uh, if I don't, I won't survive. So, yeah, it's a good idea, though. Just doesn't play out at this point. As we scale up in mine. Um, Flower Whisperer Miles, if you lower your price, you sell more. Yes, but there's no point of doing all the work to sell more when you're not making any margin on what you sell. So you can do a whole lot of work, work really hard and end up negative. You can do a whole lot of work, work, work really hard and um, not be profitable. So, of course, I could lower my price and of course I could sell more. But selling more to make nothing is just a lot of work. Yeah. At this point, like... At this point, now economies of scale are a little different. So when we build the warehouse and we have uh, much more to offer, then I'll look at that in the spreadsheet and see what it says. And if I can, I will lower my prices. But I have my prices put at what they have to be at to maintain the margin I have to have to stay in business. It's that simple. It's math. Um, and I've tried other things in the past. I, I know what it's like to work really hard and sell tons of fish 
and then at the end of the month be like, oh, yay, we made $100 in profit this month. <laughs> we sent out hundreds of boxes and we made nothing. Like we did tons of work and we made $100. Like that's not a tenable business. Yeah. But I hear you. Um, I wish I could. Rockford Fishkeeping, a great promo would be free 40 breeder with purchase of a neon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then I get to ship an aquarium because that won't break because <laughs> the carriers are always so gentle. <laughs> I love it, Rockford. Dead Fred 821. Good evening, sir. Good evening, sir. First timer here. How's it going? Going great and good to have you, by the way. I, I've seen other YouTubers shout out your username, so I know you're out and about. Uh, Good to have you here. Glad you made it. Glad you found it. Jeff Chambers, FedEx isn't delivering Amazon packages anymore. It's all UPS and their own drivers now. I'm sure they have a lot less to deal with. Not sure how the pricing compares. Well, whatever happened, they needed me bad enough that we were able to negotiate a pretty good price. And we had an intermediary. There's there's a company that um, I'm going through to get that rate. But um, yeah. Yeah, um, Amazon's going to probably be delivering all their packages at some point, pretty much. So it's going to have an interesting effect on all of those delivery services. Yeah, interesting. It'll be interesting to say what happens. Um, Lumpy Dog, every one of my quarantine tanks turns into a permanent tank. I think that's every fish keeper's problem. Yep. Then I have to go buy another Q-tank. It's a vicious cycle. That's how we get to world peace. Yeah. <laughs> That's how we get to 3x our current number of tanks. Quarantine tank. Oh, they're so good in there. Oh, wait. Now I have more fish. New tank. <laughs> yep. That's how you grow for sure. <laughs> I love it. It's so true. So, so true. Well, I'm seeing lots of comments and questions, but not necessarily anything highlighted for me. Okay, here we go. Sorry, we jumped. We did the jumpies. Oh, and I missed, I missed some super chats. I am sorry. I am getting to those. Sorry, chat did that thing. Here we go. Before I get to Lights Rona one show me. Maybe I said that right. Before I get to that, Fishion Tanktics with a dollar ninety-nine. Thank you, Fishion Tanktics. I appreciate it. And then I see that there's another one that's yellow down there. But it won't see this. It like won't let me click on it and I can't see who sent it. So I will just scroll down real quick to find that in the chat. Um, there it is. Terrence Blayton, 10 bucks. Thanks, Terrence. Always appreciated. Never required, but it super helps. I got 10 of the Luminatus blue eyes. I want more. Let's do this. All right. Hashtag so shiny and we might do it. I'm glad you got 10 of them. Uh, hope they do well for you long term. Hope you get babies. They're an awesome fish. Very unique. Very unique. Okay. So, Lights Rono, one show me. What's your opinion on medicated foods for a quarantine tank? So, I don't know. I just started using medicated foods oh, a couple weeks ago. I've been hesitant to use them because you never know exactly what dosage you're putting in it's hard to be quite accurate with them. Um, so it's kind of like, well, I 
guess they're getting the right dosage. You know, what if they eat one flake and then another fish that's the same size in the same tank eats 20 flakes? Who got the right dosage, right? So, but um, I'm trying them. They're new enough to me, though, that I don't have an opinion on them. The only opinion I have on them so far is that often when I get new fish in, um, they're, they don't feel like eating for the first few days or they're not used at all to the foods we use in America in our tanks. So I already see a limitation on medicated foods, which is simply not all the fish will eat it or not all the fish will eat it right away. And for antibiotics, I want to be using them with the fish right away, right when they first arrive. The whole idea is give them a break to help them recover, um, make it so their immune system doesn't have to work quite so hard as they recover from the stress of shipping. So that's the limitation kind of factors that I see so far, but I'm new enough with it that I don't have a firm opinion yet if it's something that I'm going to continue or not, um, or something that I find really beneficial or not. Sean, Mr. Shelley, OOTD, how's the Episto Fry doing? They're doing great. Uh, they're getting bigger. In fact, um, they, the, the new batch came out of this uh, coconut hut recently, yesterday, I think. So um, pretty soon I'll be able to actually scrub the algae. <laughs> algae, isn't it fantastic? Um, and then the previous batch is doing good. They're, they're growing up. Episto's don't grow, you know, they're not killifish. They don't just... <laughs> grow super fast, but they're definitely eating, they're growing, they're on baby brine shrimp and they're doing good. Kaylee's Aquatics, do you show the new fish other than the betta? Um, do you show the new fish? I only showed them in the unboxing um, video. So I, I have a new batch that I got a week ago. And I did an unboxing of them about a week ago when they came in. Those I haven't shown yet. Maybe I need to do a video update and just take everyone around real quick style and just show you how everyone's doing. So maybe I'll do something like that. Um, but uh, until they're out of quarantine, I don't plan on like doing a, a specific, here's pictures of them or anything, but except for on Instagram a little bit. Do you show the new fish other than the betta? Like, I don't have any real footage of them, if that's what you're asking, Bob. VB23, what temperature do you recommend for guppies? Um, depends on what you're trying to do. If you're trying to breed guppies and grow guppies quickly and produce a lot of guppies and get through lots of generations quickly so that you can create a strain or something like that, then maybe the low 80s would be good because they'll reproduce faster, um, the fry will grow quicker, you'll get through the generations quicker. However, the last couple generations, I would cool them back down to the mid seventies or so, so you can make sure they're hardy for people you distribute them to. But if you're trying to develop a new strain um, or you're trying to just produce tons of them, there are some advantages as far as production goes to uh, raising the temperature. However, if you just want pretty guppies in your aquarium, and you want to enjoy them long term, then I'd say the mid 70s is good. They don't, um, they don't, their metabolism's not as fast. So they last longer. They don't get old as fast, so to speak. Um, so, yeah, that might be a consideration. However, even if you're raising the temperature, once again, this is important, I think. If you are raising the temperature to really crank through for production, it's 
always nice. It's the last couple generations. You can take that temperature down so we don't get strains that like only thrive like discus do at those high temperatures. That's what's happened with, with discus in a way. Um, I had another thought about that too, which was... Same if way. I don't remember. I'm sorry. But that's enough to get started, I guess. Who's that? Moonstone, $5. Another one. <laughs> I love you, Moonstone. I'm so glad you're here. Screenshot, see? I can't even speak. I'm laughing. Just a sec. <laughs> Uh. <laughs> Hang on, got it. Got it. <laughs> Screenshot face, pretty please. Well, just for old time's sake. Okay, here you go. <laughs> Was that a good one? <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Gary Duncan, five. Hey, thanks for the super chats tonight, man. Everybody, I really appreciate it. Um, I, I know that I know that there's you know a lot of uncertainty right now and everything, and I'm I'm just thrilled that you guys find the value in this, even with all that going on. That you're willing to super chat. Thanks so much. It, it means a lot. It really, apart from the fact that it helps the bank account. It also means something. I appreciate it. Thank you. Um, Gary Duncan with $5. Thank you for the keyhole cichlids. I only lost one of six. They're so stinking cute and adorable makes me want the rest of them. Well, I've got some more. Um, so Gary, um, was nice enough to provide a home for some of the keyholes that are, that have eye issues, right? Um, there's some fish I have that I just never sell, uh, because, they aren't perfect. Well, uh, I don't want to demean them, but yeah, there, there's issues. Uh, they're missing an eye or they have a bent spine or they're missing a pectoral fin or something, something, right? And um, Gary was nice enough to provide a home. So thank you, Gary. I, I'm sure the fish appreciate that. I appreciate that. Okay. We still have uh, 31 minutes left. We're doing okay. Epic Aquariums, are you looking into get cichlids to reduce your shipping prices? No, not specifically cichlids. It's, it's a value. It's how much value monetarily can fit in a box. And so actually, um, my perfect fish is a small fish that's hardy that is valuable because I can fit a lot of small fish in a box um, and that box will contain a lot of value. So let's say I was selling betachinoides. Uh, let's say they were, I don't know, 45 bucks a pair and someone bought um, enough to fill a large box. Well, that would be 12 pairs. So, you know, that's a, that's a decent amount of monetary value in a box. If that's what I was doing all the time, then because there's a lot of money in that box at 40% margin or actually 30 once I have the affiliates going, then, um, then I could recover sh some of the shipping, if that makes sense. Versus if someone fills a big box like that with uh, neon tetras and they're what, $2.50, something like that each, um, and I have 22 neon tetras in there, that value is uh, much, much less. 
So then it's really hard for me to give a discount on shipping because even though there's a lot of fish in the box, there's not a lot of money in that box. So I can't take $15 off the shipping for that box because I will probably not make any money at all on that transaction, right? So so it's not necessarily I'm looking for a specific kind of fish like a cichlid or, or something else. It's uh, It's that I can't discount shipping until... I have more items of higher value to sell along with the other stuff so that on average there's a higher value per box. I think that's, I think that's the answer. I think that's, I understood that question. I think Gina French, thank you for that information. You're welcome, Gina. I, I hope it's helpful regarding the quarantine tanks. Joseph Stanley. Hey, always wondered if, we win. Can we add to the shipping if we want to buy something as well? Or do you have them in a small box? Yeah, it's, a, it's generally a small box. So I generally more or less fill a small box with whatever fish I'm, I'm doing for the giveaway. Yeah. Now, that being said, um, if you wanted to add to it and we go to a larger box and pay the difference, we could work that out. That's not a problem. Excuse me. Take a couple emails, but it's no biggie. So yeah, it's possible. It would just there would be uh, the, whatever the shipping differential is would have to be covered. Okay, um, let's see who's next. Moonstone. Everybody saw it. You just keep going. <laughs> what did I do? Now I wonder. Poke Tile Craft One Hundred One. Hey, I have two of the Luminaris. Um, Illuminatus, and I haven't been able to find them since, but their blue eyes shine from across the room. They're so fun. But how does it take, how long does it take for the eggs to hatch? Um, oof. You know, I don't pay attention a lot of the time. <laughs> There's people that like, like Chase, Chase's Fishes. If you want to know how to breed a fish, go to chasesfishes.net or .com or .org, one of those. Because um, he like keeps a notebook of they spawn on this date, they eyed up at this date, they hashed at this date, they were free swimming at this date, um, they could take Brady Brian shrimp on this date, like he does all that. I don't. Um, I just kind of breed them and raise them and enjoy them. So I can't tell you for sure. I'm going to say, I'm going to say 12 to 15 days as a guess. That's my guess. Something like that. I'm sure someone here breeds that species. H.C. Aqua, do you breed them? If so, have you uh, kept count of how long they take to hatch? Am I right? 12 to 15 days, somewhere around there. Poke tile craft. Oh, wait. already got that one. Yeah, I love them too. They're shiny blue eyes. I didn't mention that in the description. They, they do. They have like a lamp eye going on. The Chubby Guppy, best source for brine shrimp eggs. Um, here's how I get brine shrimp eggs. I go on eBay and I look for the cheapest pound of brine shrimp eggs I can get. And then I go to Amazon and I look there and then I do a general Google search and look there and go to brine shrimp direct and look there. I kind of do those four things and I get whichever can I can get for the lowest price. And I don't care what the hatch rate is, 85, 95, 90. It doesn't matter to me. Um, so that's how I do it. So it, it tends to vary. It's like, it's like a stock. One, one week, there'll be this much. The next week, there'll be more. A month later, there'll be less. Like, it, it really varies. 
So every time I need to buy them, I do, I dig in deep to try to find the best deal. I don't think I've found one source where I like consistently buy from because I'll buy from a source. Next time I need to buy, I'll look at their price and compare it to other prices. And usually I can find it cheaper somewhere else. And then when I need them again, it's happened again. So yeah. But if you're looking for just a reliable source, Brian Shrimp Direct, that's kind of one of the things they specialize in. Victoria Artis, how do you handle water quality and water changes in your non-bioactive quarantine tanks? Thanks for the stream. It's a good question. I've got a big video, actually a whole series of videos on how I quarantine, and I go into that in detail. So just really briefly, the, the answer is I don't put bio waste load in there. Um, I do not feed the fish while they're in that setup. So uh, when I get new fish in for the first week while they're being treated with antibiotics and they're in that kind of really sterile, non-bioactive system, I just don't feed them. And they get a 40% water change, 50% water change every day. So that really helps. So even though I don't feed them, there is some metabolic process happening, right? So there is some waste discharged. Um, but that 50% water change every day takes care of that. Every now and then, fish will come in really skinny and, and obvious, obviously need food more than antibiotics. And so then I make that judgment call and do something different. But in general, that's how I handle that. I just make sure there is almost no biological waste being produced in those tanks and do large frequent water changes. Taylor Foy, what are the differences? Hang on, I'll get to that Taylor Foy. I, I, should, I should clarify this. So I realize that it seems really cruel to not feed fish for, for a week. Um, and they would prefer to eat, I'm sure. But in my experience, generally, sometimes they come in very emaciated, but generally what they need more than anything is just a chance to settle down and give their immune system a break. So that's why I choose to do that. Also, we've got to remember they're ectothermic. Um, they're cold-blooded. You and I have to eat a ton very often because we're warm-blooded. That's, that's reason number one. So we have to keep our body to constant temperature. Even if it's cold out, our body has to produce a lot of heat. That burns a lot of energy. The other thing is we have a massive brain, and that burns a lot of energy too. So those are two things fish don't have to worry about. <laughs> They're kind of stupid. <laughs> I love fish, but they ain't smart. And they have very small brains and they are cold blooded. So they don't spend a lot of energy on their brains. And they don't spend a lot of energy um, producing heat. So I know it seems really strange. You and I wouldn't go a week without food and be okay. But fish can go long, long periods, much longer than a week oftentimes without eating. And in nature, they often have to during the dry season and things like that. But um, it's not that I like not feeding them. It's just that I found over time that it's, it's the best thing to do for their long-term well-being. Taylor Foy, now we'll get to that. What are the differences between scarlet baddis and tiger baddis? Well, there are different species. Um, I mean, let me show you a quick well, you can do that. If you Google scarlet baddis and tiger baddis, you'll see the color differences, right? They're about the same size. Behavior's about the same. They're pretty hard to sex, both of them. Um, so different species, though, and different color patterns. But if you're asking, like, as far as the setup and behavior and how you keep them, nothing. They're, they're pretty much the same as far as that goes. 
Dead Fred, 821. I got a 30 tall hexagon with one beta. Oh man, that's a mansion for a beta. It's gotta be one happy beta. Just getting back into the hobby after two decades. All right, welcome back. What are some suitable tank mates other than inverts that I can house in there? 30 gallon hex tall. Okay. I think, I mean, this is super obvious, but uh, like Cory Cats would be great. And that's not a big footprint on the bottom. So if you can find some like adult Habrosis, there's three, <laughs> there's three. <laughs> <laughs> there's three uh, species of kind of miniature quarries, pygmy quarries that we have available. Pygmaeus, Histatus, and Hebrosus. I could be wrong, but I think Hebrosus gets a little bigger. Um, so that's probably the one I go for. And what I look for is some kind of pygmy quarry species, and I wouldn't get them small. I would get them at almost full grown, just so the beta doesn't pick on them too much. But I think a school of a pygmy quarry that's, uh, you know, of a good adult size would be great in there. Um, if it's not a long finned betta, then you can put lots of things in there with it. Honestly, most peaceful community fish will go fine with it. If it is a long fin betta, then you want to stay away from like a lot of tetras will nip the, those long fins. Even I've even had neons which are generally about as peaceful as it gets when it comes to tetras, um, shred fins on like a veil tail bed or half moon full tail bed, right? Um, instead of a placat type. So other fish that would probably go well are things like pencil fish. Um, I would think that a pistogramma would probably be okay. Um, hatchet fish would be fine. Although they kind of like more surface area, so maybe not. Um, I don't know. Those are some thoughts right off, right off the top of my head. Um, anyone else here that keeps bettas with other fish? Would you list stuff that you've had success with? I mean, the major things to avoid are things that the betta will nip the fins of, long flowing fins, or things that are so fast to the food that they'll outcompete the betta, right? Or things that nip flowing fins if the betta is a long fin variety. So, hope that's helpful. Hex tank apologist. I'm so sorry. I have a hex tank. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> what is your go-to medication for mouth fungus? Having a long-term problem with some neon tetras and gross on their mouths. Thanks. Um, hex tank apologist. I don't have a good go-to medication for fungus because I almost never deal with it. So for when I do, it's it's always been a very uh, mild thing in um, ick medicines tend to take care of that anything with formalin or malachite green in it like ick x or uh, fritz mardell what is it quick cure uh, would probably be a go-to but for an actual real raging infection i don't know for sure i just don't have a lot of experience with fungal infections it hasn't been a thing that i've had to deal with a lot so i would recommend you go to this website um, and see if you can find something here on that, it's loading. Just a sec, I've got a lot of windows open, so it's uh, taken a, a little bit of time, and then I can show you this bookmark. There it is. Um, this is an oldie but goodie. This is uh, AmericanAquariumProducts.com, and there's all kinds of, of information 
that you can read here about different medicines um, and different types of infections and funguses and things like that. So um, that's what I recommend digging in there because I, I haven't had to do much of that. So I don't I don't know a lot about that. Michelle, Lucia, if we were, if we are feeding live foods, frozen blood worms, etc., should I be deworming on a regular basis? If so, every three, six, once a year, Michelle, I, I, I'm trying to think if I've ever, it's not something I've ever done. Um, I will medicate fish when they first come in. I'll do lots of medicines to try to help them recover and to try to clean them up before I uh, add them to my collection. But once they're in my collection, if they're healthy and robust and there's no problems, then I, I never medicate them again. So that's my take on that. And there's different schools of thought. If you talk to discus people, a lot of them routinely medicate their fish um, just because they're paranoid, <laughs> those discus divas. Um, but I, I don't think I've, encountered a situation, even though I feed live foods and things where, um, I've had a healthy batch of fish just suddenly develop parasites from live foods or from frozen foods. So, so it's not something I would worry about. Now, some people do do that, but it's never been something I've found the need to do. And, and with medicines in general, I think if there's not a need for it, um, I'm no veterinarian. Uh, let's get that off Let's make that very clear. But in general, medicines are stressful, right? They put stress on your liver, or your kidneys, or whatever system metabolizes them. Um, and so, you know, they're, they're slightly toxic often. So if I don't have to expose the fish to that, I just don't. Now, if you're continually having problems with parasites, then maybe that's a different story. Then it's maybe like, hey, in order to keep these fish healthy, every periodically I've got to do these rounds of parasite treatments. Um, but I'm not in that situation. So I definitely don't do it. I guess what I'm trying to say is unless there's a need, I wouldn't 44 mag guy, not one, but 44 mag guy fishing more. Hey, haven't been here for a while. Welcome back. Hope you and your family are doing well. We are. Um, I was wondering if you had any knowledge on sumps, hardly any, don't use a lot of sumps. So there are a million and one uh, like YouTubers out there that are way into sumps and show detailed setups and things. So I would, uh, I'd refer you to them. I'm just not that knowledgeable about them. I'm a sponge filter guy. I like it simple, but if I had a nice tank in my living room, maybe I would want a sump, right? Maybe I'd want to hide all that filtration, have it all in the cabinet underneath. But I, I don't know. I, from day one, I was kind of like a, rack system type of guy, even as a young kid. <laughs> so not necessarily like a big display guy. The closest I get is canister filters. So when I do have a display tank, I'll just get like an FX6 or something and use that underneath. But yeah, um, I would, is it, who's the guy on YouTube that does all the neat builds of different filters and things? Is it, is it Fishman out in Canada? Oh, let me find this. This guy is awesome. Let me find this. Um, fish man. No, I, I, uh, I can't, I can't take the time right now. I'm live. Um, but 
If anyone knows who I'm talking about, you recently built a filter that's a wheel. It's like a sponge wrapped around a wheel that turns as water flows over it. Um, I would imagine that guy would have some pretty detailed sump information. If anyone knows who I'm talking about, if, if you could let us know, maybe link it up, that would be great. But fish guy, fish man, he has a fish uh, maintenance business. And so he, he really knows his stuff with that filtration and how to make stuff look good and still function in offices and things like that. Dragon Lair, I got the Darios to eat some marine copepods today. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, they're not picky as long as it's live or frozen. And marine copepods are perfect. Perfect size, high in essential fatty acids and things. Yeah, awesome. I'm glad to hear that they're eating for you. Hopefully they've colored up. I mean, they're, man, they're, those black tiger di- Dario are Pretty amazing fish. Just made it to Terrence Blayton's $10 Super Chat. If you're wondering how far behind I am, <laughs> it's pretty far. But we've got we've got a few minutes left, 13 minutes. We can do this. We can get to the bottom. <laughs> Skippers Aquariums, I'm here. Sorry for not being here last week. No problem, Thomas. You, I get it. I'm, I'm just grateful anytime mods show up and help. Like, it amazes me. It's... It's an amazing thing that you guys do. And there's no obligation, you know, for what I pay you, Thomas. <laughs> you do what you can. And when your family needs you, go take care of them. We got it. If it ever gets to the point where, like, where the mods are like, man, this is getting to be a lot. We need more help. You know, just reach out. Let me know. And, and we'll find some, some others to add to the mix. But I think we're pretty good. Okay, Jeff Chambers made a spawning mop in pulling some eggs from the free Ivan Safi that I have. I get like six a day. Hope I can raise them, fingers crossed. Indeed, fingers crossed, I hope you do too. What an awesome species. Okay, for those that don't know this species. This is, um, I've only been able to get them once. Oh, and I loved them. This is, Similar to the Pseudomuga luminatus, luminatus, it gets a little bigger. It's more like a fricata, I guess, than a luminatus. But these guys are just stunning. They get some of the yellow, not quite as much as a fricatus, but then they get this nice red on them too. They are really, really a cool little fish. So, man, I hope you can raise them up and distribute them. They're just not available very often. So it'd be great to get them out there more. Congrats on getting the eggs. Um, I wonder if the fry are big enough for baby brine shrimp or not. If they are, you should be on easy street. But the good thing about a lot of those little rainbows or blue eyes is that they'll often eat powdered food off the top. So that's helpful. Pugamus Maximus. Again, I just see like a pug dog in an out, a Spartan outfit from like the movie 300. I am Sparta. Pugamus Maximus is such a great name. Does the brand does the brand of breather bags is double bagging breather bags okay? If you're asking if there's a specific brand of, of breather bags that I like, there isn't. Um, I've tried Cordon. I've I've used I've used them all. I think, and the one of the main reasons I don't do it is I've never found a way to successfully double bag them. I've heard rumors you can do it. Supposedly, you can take a breather bag. Put your fish in it, seal it off. There's no air in the bag, right? Just water and fish. Put a layer of damp newspaper around that and then put them in another breather bag and seal it up so that other breather bag is in direct contact with that damp newspaper. Supposedly, from what I've read, 
that will allow oxygen to permeate both membranes and CO2 as well to permeate both membranes. Um, I never had any luck with it though. So that's one of the reasons I stopped using breather bags because there was no way to double bag them. So there was no way to have a fail safe against leakage. So, yep. So, uh, yeah, that's my thoughts on that. The Chubby Guppy, you are listed as well as get gills on all my sites. Oh, awesome. Thank you. You're spreading the word about get gills. I appreciate that. The Chubby Guppy. I really appreciate that. Thank you so much for listing uh, dancefish.com and get gills. Yeah. Any, anything that can be done to help spread the word. Um, it's super helpful. And, you know, I've looked at marketing campaigns and all that, and it all just feels false and forced. So I think affiliations and, and just word of mouth. My whole thing is if I do a good job consistently, I feel like people will find me because then people will be like, this was great and tell their friends about it. Right. That's, that's the entire, like, <laughs> that's how it's been. Um, it hasn't been any, like, I'm going to spend 10 grand on marketing or whatever. I do want to get to that point because it'll certainly accelerate, certainly, certainly accelerate growth. But um, until then, word of mouth is great. So anything you chubby guppy or anyone else is willing to do on that front, it's, it's great. That's more important than super chats. That's like, that's hugely helpful. Lights Rony one show me. What's your opinion on medicated food? Already got that one. Fish whisperer miles, red velvet hyphen sword tails behind you. Yes. Some have hyphens. They come from hyphen parrot uh, parents. Um, and most of the hyphen babies didn't make it. They were pretty weak, pretty slow to the food, but there are some that made it. So I've got a bunch in here, maybe 14, 15 of them. And most of them are standard fin height, but they definitely have the, that whole red, red eyed, red, uh, body type and, uh, kind of color, different kind of almost texture to the scales that I think you're talking about. There are a few hyphens in there as well, um, a few males, a few females, and so I should be able to get something going there. But I'm, I think the the standard fin will probably also produce some hyphen. We'll see. Um, there's people here that know more about uh, sortel genetics than I do and can tell me if I'm wrong. But yep, I'm working on establishing them. So here's what happened. I, I found a source for them in China, the only place I know of to get them consistently. And I brought in a few batches and some batches would do okay and some wouldn't. And some customers would get them and they do okay. But it seemed like after a few months, no one I sold them to had them anymore. Or maybe a few did, but in general, they just weren't doing well long-term. So um, one of the customers is a veterinarian. So they were kind enough to uh, send some to a lab, to a fish specialist for histology. And so the fish specialist uh, did all the tests and things and uh, did histology and found that they were chock full of viruses. So the parent stock, whatever farm or facility they are bred in, um, has a virus. And so the reason they weren't doing well long-term is just because uh, that virus was taking them out. So what I did is... Um, Got a few batches of babies, separated them as quick as I could from the parents and raised them up in the hope that I can get a virus-free strain going. Uh, 
Um, so that's my whole goal here. That's that's why I'm raising these back here. It's going to take a couple years, probably, maybe more. They aren't the quickest growing uh, fish in the world, but that's what we're trying to do is create. I think that's why you never find them, uh, the hyphen variety. Uh, they're, they're hard to find and they're super expensive just because I don't think we have a healthy strain that's widely dispersed right now. And I'm trying to create that. So that is what's back there. It's a long-term project, but I hope it'll be worth it. Five minutes left. Kayla's Aquatics leaving $9.99. Thank you, Bob. Always appreciated. Never required, but it makes Brenda super happy. And um, <laughs> there she is. Pippi Longstocking, cheerleading me on. Thank you, Bob. She always brightens my day. And so does that weird dude that does the same thing. Um, so that is Bob telling me we're almost out of time. We have five minutes left. Thank you. Chewy LTD, good to see you, Chewy. My margins may be easy on Neon Tetras, but on special order, there is not that much of a margin. I understand it, and that is why smaller fish as transport costs too. Yeah, yes, yes. Often when you're buying, I think what Chewy means by that is when you're importing, um, maybe you want to bring in, let's say, a flower horn, um, and it's expensive and it's big, so it's going to take half a box what you have to do to justify that shipping cost you can't get two flower horns you have to get a flower horn and then get a whole bunch of small fish to fill the rest of the box otherwise you're going to spend hundreds and hundreds of dollars shipping just one fish one flower horn you have to get that box full of lots of different fish so you can spread that shipping cost out i think that's what you're getting to there chewy cyclist 23 does Jenko ignore you too nope or just us little guys. Oh, I've been a little guy most of my uh, career with Gemco, and I've been using them for 25 years. Two phone calls, voicemails, emails, crickets. Um, you know, they did send an email out to their customer list that said, we're sorry, it's going to take us longer to get back to you. Um, we're having to, like, do things with with social distancing and they're not i think shut down completely maybe they are now but at the time they weren't shut down completely from the virus but there were um if i remember right it's been a while um it's like we can only have a certain number of employees at a time we have to you know they're doing taking precautions so it could be that cyclist 23 um but no usually when i call uh susan or john will pick up but I, I imagine they're having some real struggles right now with everything that's going on and whatever is being mandated or recommended by their state that they do is probably affecting their ability to uh, be as responsive. It'll be a while till things get back to normal, I think. Petsotics. And when you're dealing with livestock, you also have to put in your livestock death rate into your formula. Yes, absolutely. There, there are losses and that's, that's one good reason to, um, to make sure you have a good quarantine system and know how to treat fish that are stressed. Uh, if you don't, yeah, you'll go out of business super quick. If you don't know how to land in freshly imported fish, uh, you're not going to last. Um, even if you buy from a wholesaler, they're getting freshly imported fish too. Even if you're not directly importing yourself, wholesalers, often retail stores are selling fish that have only been in the country for a little while, right? Um, so, yep. Absolutely, Petsotics. Oh, it jumped on me, Moonstone. I had just seen your last one, and then it jumped it on me. 
Hang on. Almost there. Two minutes. Ooh, this might be the last one. ICHC Aqua there. I've been thinking about shipping scuds, but the styro liners bring up the cost on shipping so high. Can you think of a cheaper way to ship them? Um, with scuds, they're so hardy that it might be possible to take like um, some pink insulation, like a roll of that pink fiberglass insulation and wrap them in that and then put that in the box. Cause you can get a big long roll of that stuff for, I don't know what it would be, 15 bucks, something like that. So that might be a way to do it, HC Aqua. They're pretty darn hardy. Um, so that would probably be okay. There it is. Thank you, PokeTileCraft101. That's his YouTube channel. His name is Fishman. Okay, it is Fishman, great. Fishman does all kinds of filters and stuff. Thank you, I appreciate that. Um, sorry, it jumped on me. I'm trying to get to that thing so I don't skip uh, Moonstone's comment, but it won't let me get that, that high. I think I have time for one more. This one is from FishyFun57. I just can't scroll up higher than that. How cold can Neo Shrimp coolies and black neon stand in 48 hour shipping. Um, if you have neons and coolies in there, I would try to keep the temperature while you're shipping in the seventies. That'll be the least stressful for them. Um, if it drops to 65 or so, they'll probably be okay. But if you can keep it in the seventies, that's going to be the best. Neo shrimp 60 is no problem at all. Um, in fact, I had Neo shrimp out on my patio. Actually, they were crystal red shrimp out on my patio in Santa Barbara, and it would get down in the 40s in the winter, and they thrived in that. They would color up brighter than ever at those cooler temperatures. So I think that in general, shrimp can take it a lot colder, but those neons, uh, those tetras and those loaches, if you can keep them in the 70s, that would be ideal. If the temperature hits, again, like, uh, you know, 65, probably be okay. I've had fish come in 60 degrees or so, be okay. But you have to remember, it's not just about arriving alive. It's about arriving alive with as least stressors possible because when they do arrive at those really cold temperatures, they're more stressed and they're more likely to crash and it takes more care to get them stabilized after shipment, right? So for the good of whoever you're sending them to, if you can keep them in the 70s, do that. That's what I always try to do. Sometimes I fail. There's people in here that have got fish for me and they've been 60 degrees, maybe 55 degrees in really rare cases where something went wrong, right? But what I try to do, what I shoot for is the low 70s for most fish. Scott, Scott Backer, hey, Scott. I think I've been calling you Scott Baker for the longest time. It's Scott Backer, 1999. Oh boy, cover your ears, people. Here it comes. And then we'll do the giveaway. But in honor of the 1999 giveaway, here we go. Cover your ears. Take out your headphones. You've been warned. Okay, ready? Go! Oh, 
Thanks, Scott. Appreciate the super chat. Appreciate you being an awesome customer. It's always good to see you, man. One of the few customers I get to see face to face, which is always so fun. <laughs> candy overhauls. <laughs> you know it, Candy. Listen, I lived in Argentina for a while. You, you, you can't take the excitement of a goal out of me. It's just, it's ingrained. It's done. It's in my DNA. All right. With that, let's get to the giveaway. I see a couple last minute so shinies entering in. That's almost like cheating. 180 eligible users, 245 folks here. Thank you for being here, everyone. Glad to have you. That's a great turnout. Okay. We're going to draw the winner in. The winner is Thomas Lynx. Thomas Lynx. That is not a name I recognize. So, Thomas, if you're new, welcome and congratulations. You have a minute to respond and say, I'm here, um, because you do have to be present to win. If you do that, you'll be the official winner. And um, please send me an email, dan at dancefish.com. By midnight tonight would be great. You are here. Congrats. You won. Um, please send me an email by midnight tonight uh, with your first and last name and your shipping address so I know who to send them to and where to send them. That would be greatly appreciated. Congrats. And Thomas Links, um, if you have been here for a long time and I'm just forgetting for some reason, I apologize. But if you're new, Welcome. Welcome. I'm glad you're here. The Chubby Guppy, $4.99. Thespian lungs. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you got it. It's all that stage stage training. It really is all that vocal work that you do to speak from the stage so people in the back can hear you. Anyway, with that, we're going to end it. I believe Punchy Paints is probably going next in about 26 minutes, 9 o'clock. Um, so let's all go over to Pam and uh, <laughs> listen to some fun, uh, probably not for children's stories. And we'll be back next Wednesday, 7 p.m. Mountain Time. Until then, I really appreciate you all. Uh, my mods, thank you. Thank you so much. Everyone that super chatted, super helpful. We appreciate it. It's never required, but it does really help, and it makes the wife super happy. Um, everyone that left a question or comment, I'm sorry if I didn't get to yours. Uh, sometimes we just run out of time or chat jumps, so I can't see it, but really appreciate you doing that so we can keep it active, keep it lively and interesting. And um, everyone that's lurking, I feel you. I lurk all the time on lots of streams. Everyone watching the replay, thanks for doing that. I think we got everyone, right? I like to thank my manager. I'd like to thank my mother. I'd like to, this, it's just an honor to be nominated. Anyway, I'll see you next Wednesday. Until then, have a good one. Bye-bye. <laughs>